We're back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking into my phone. That must mean it's the Dane and Nick podcast, and we are back. We are back. So it's the Pac-12 tournament. It's that time of year. NCAA tournament right around the corner. So it should be a lot of fun. should be a lot of fun. We'll have your favorite teams covered in 90 seconds or less. Excuse me. Three minutes or less. 90 seconds a person. I got a life. You got a life. Our publishers got lives. Dane's got lives. Lives, 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 whatever. You know what I'm saying? So... I am coming here um, with a little heavy heart this week. My cousin passed away. He was a graduate of ASU. I will not include his name because he wouldn't appreciate that. So the Pac-12 lost one of our own this week. And um, yeah, just it felt right that I kind of gave him a little shout out. So for my ASU segment, I will be talking just 90 seconds about his life. Dane will have you covered on the basketball aspect. But everything else in this podcast will be exactly the same. If you're new to the show, thanks for listening. If you've been here before, we'll holla. You know, you're back, young. Woo, woo. So in all seriousness, um, we will get you started here on some Pac-12 hoops. And now that the tournament seat or the tournament field's been laid off for the Pac-12 tourney, it gives us a little bit of a more clear indication of what to expect looking forward. I don't have a big three takeaways this week. I think with the tourney right around the corner, I'm just going to drive straight into what each team needs to do whether for the Pac-12, whether for the NCAAs, whatever it may be. But we're here. We're back. Let's do it. Dane and Nick, is it episode 19 or 20? I don't know. All right, from Seattle down to Arizona, Dane, let's kick, Dane, kick it off, bud. The big takeaway from this week is, you know, obviously the Oregon Ducks winning the regular season championship, finished the season 13-5 and in the conference, were undefeated at home, and split every road trip. That is the... Um, game plan to winning a regular season championship in the Pac-12 is to win at home and split on the road and Oregon was able to do that they finished the year at 24 and 7 and they're in obviously in first place for the Pac-12 tournament so if they went out uh, and win the tournament they're probably looking at a three seed four seed at the very worst so it's been a it was a great season uh, regular season was fantastic came down to the last game which is pretty much all you can ask for um, in a conference race earlier in the day, obviously the UCLA heartbreaking last second three um, stopped them from winning a share of the championship, um, which was a, a big moment for Andy Enfield and the USC Trojans, Jonah Matthews hitting that three. And also in that game, he um, became the leading three-point leader at at the uh, University of Southern California. So that was a um, great uh, moment for him that he'll never forget. And then, of course, ASU got the final um, seed, I guess, the three seed uh, in the the conference tournament. So the buys are UCLA, USC, ASU, and Oregon. So, with the exception of this segment right here, we'll be going in order from tourney seats. So, example, Oregon's number one in the conference. So, we'll obviously be starting with them, and we'll finish with the 12th-ranked Washington Huskies. Who would have thought they would be there at the beginning of the year? So, but for me, I am going to start this opening segment and start with ASU this week because of the aforementioned passing of my cousin. And then we will hop back into the regular order, but we will start with number three, ASU. Like I said, Dane will have you covered on the hoop side of it, and I will be talking about my cousin's life. So 
My cousin was uh, born in Bellevue, uh, Bellevue, Washington, suburb east of Seattle. He may have not been the strongest uh, person in, in terms of school, but he managed to get himself into ASU, graduated, and then rose all the way to a very high position in Snapchat and was making some bank and living in downtown Seattle. So he's doing doing good for himself. He's a funny, hardworking guy, um, blast to be around. And sorry, ASU, if this reputation could drink like an absolute champ. I went to a party college myself, but usually found that I could not hang with my big cuz who went to ASU. So he was like a big brother to me, man. I'm truly grateful for everything he's taught me. And um, yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Enough with the sadness here. Just had to give a little shout out to my cuz. He's a great guy. Great guy. Rest in peace. And we'll move on to hoops. And like I said, Dane will now have you covered with the ASU side of basketball. And I'll hop back into hoops and get back to whatever weirdness um, pops in my head. But love you, cuz. Rest in peace. And uh, thanks for all you taught me, man. Thank you for all you taught me. ASU kind of stumbled into the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, They lost those two games in, in L.A. And then they lost earlier in the week to Washington but they were able to get it done against Wazoo, uh, setting themselves on the right foot for the Pac-12 tournament here this week. And in the process, they secured the three seed. Um, So that's good because um, if they go on a run, they don't have to face Oregon until the championship game. And it makes it slightly easier than being the four seed because in the semifinal, uh, you would have to play the one seed. So, uh, you know, for as bad as things ended pretty much, you know, losing three of the last four, it worked out on some levels, and so they're they're rolling into Las Vegas. They don't have to play on Wednesday, and they're going to be playing on Thursday against, um, you know, whoever they end up playing against, which is probably going to be a winnable game for them. Uh, ideally, you would hope that they would at least make the semifinals, and for seeding purposes, they really need to make the semifinals. They could end up, um, if they lose in the first round, is maybe even a 9 uh, or an eight, which is not good. Ideally, if you're going to be one of the lower seeds, you'd probably want to be a 10 seed. Um, even an 11 or 12 is better than an eight or nine. Those are the worst seeds you can possibly get. So um, it's going to be incumbent on them to perform well in Vegas. And if they get hot, um, you know, that's really what they need is a hot shooting from three. All right, so took a sip of my green tea here. Back now talking about some packs all of hoops, so... We're going to start off this week with the Oregon Ducks. Obviously, projected preseason favorite to win the conference, them along with the likes of Colorado, but they handled their business, got the one seed. No matter what happens, even barring a crazy upset, they have solidified their place in the NCAA tournament. Uh, in the NCAA tournament? Tournament? In the NCAA tourney. And, uh, yeah, they've had an all-around good year. So, we're looking for... I'm not going to look too deep into their results last week. I think this time of year, who really cares? Really briefly, they destroyed Cal at home, beat him by 34, followed that up by beating Stanford by 13 points at home, round out their year on a high note. So good way for Peyton Pritchard and other seniors to go out. So for the Ducks, we're going to forget about the Pac-12 tourney. If they win it, it's cool. Bottom line is for them and their fan base is how far can they go in the NCAA tournament. And as I've stated all year, I just don't believe they have enough outside of Chris Duarte and Will Richardson those two score um, average a combined 23 points per game. Excuse me, uh, average a combined 24 points per game. 
And I just don't think they do it on a consistent enough basis. If they run into a long, lengthy um, defensive team, these two aren't going to be able to affect the game. Peyton Pritchard is an amazing, amazing player, but he can't do it all by himself. And he lacks that ne next level of athleticism to really take over a game. So I'm not going to make my ultimate projections for them in the NCAAs, but I don't see them going too far. So as I mentioned in the intro, the Oregon Ducks uh, won the, the regular season championship and they got it done by winning at home and splitting on the road. So they finished the year 17-0 at, uh, at Matthew Knight Arena and 5-5 five and five away um, from Matthew Knight Arena on the whole season. So um, their record versus top 25 teams is 6-2, and two, which is um, hands, in, um, hands above everybody else in the conference. Um, looks like the next closest team... Uh, versus the AP top 25 is UCLA with three wins. So um, the Ducks doubled up the next closest team. And um, that's really big for their momentum uh, moving into not only the conference tournament, but the NCAA tournament coming up here in about a week. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much you can say other than they had senior leadership, um, obviously, and their coach is a future Hall of Famer. And when you have um, Peyton Pritchard out there running the point and Dana Altman, uh, you know, they, they were the favorite to win. And uh, for most of the season, um, they were picked uh, either one or two, you know, at, at, in the non-conference or uh, before the season even started preseason polls. So um, they lived up to expectations. And, um, you know, there's another championship out there in Eugene, the third time in the Pac-12 era. They've uh, won the regular season. The next team we're going to be talking about here is the story of the year in the Pac-12, and that's the UCLA Bruins uh, coming in at the two seed. I personally believe that Mick Cronin should get the National Coach of the Year. He's done a truly phenomenal job, especially considering their um, non-conference struggles. They really just play terrible in the non-conference. So to get to this point, be 12-6 and six in conference and earn the two seed with a very realistic shot at being selected for the NCAA tournament, just a truly, truly phenomenal turnaround. So... Looking at the Bruins, to be safe, I don't have Lunardi's projections pulled up, all of that. Um, I believe Dana's them mentioned as um, the last four in, if you want the exact technical term. From my best perspective, I think the Bruins need to win two games in the Pac-12 tourney. Plain and simple. If they can win two games and get to the finals, they should be a lock for the NCAAs. That, at worst, set them at a 21-13 and 13 overall record. So I believe they'll be able to get this done, and that's for... Two or three main reasons. First and foremost, guard Chris Smith is an absolute stud of a player. He's only averaging 13.1 points per game, but he's truly phenomenal. He can shoot. He's got a nice little 15-foot turnaround game. He can attack the basket. He's a great all-around player. You add this with the nice size of Cody Riley down low, big body, really emerging as the season goes on. And Tiger Campbell, great point guard. So they have a nice balanced offense. Forget about the loss last week. Let's look at what's ahead. And I think between the combination Tiger Campbell, Chris Smith, um, Cody Riley, and the shooting from Jamie Hawkes Jr. and Jake Kyman, they should have enough to get it done. The Bruins had a really great season um, in the conference. Obviously, their non-conference was terrible. And really, even the first few weeks of January was awful. But they turned it around. They finished the year 12-6 and six in conference. And you know, had a chance to uh, win the Pac-12, if not for a last-second three there uh, against their rival USC. So a lot can be said about Mick Cronin and his team 
and their ability to um, pretty much just put everything aside that happened earlier in the year and really focus in, come together as a team and, you know, perform well for the last two months of the year. And they still have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think they need to make the championship game of the Pac-12 tournament to do so. I said a few weeks ago that I, you know, they had a chance to make it um, to the tournament, but they needed to win out. And so they did all they could to win out, except for they lost, you know, on a last second three to their rival in the last game of the regular season. So um, I think th- they're on track. I still think that they're on track and they still need to do well in the Pac-12 tournament to remain, you know, in the ter- in the field. Uh, most projections have them in right now. I think they're at about the uh, play-in game, the last four in designation. But if they do well in the tournament, they'll probably um, they'll probably be like a ten seed, maybe a twelve seed at the worst. So since we covered ASU at the top of the show, we're going to be jumping from our two to our four seed here. So our four seed this this year, like duh, what else year? <laughs> what are we be talking about? Is going to be the USC Trojans, twenty-two and nine overall. 11 and 7. And this is a team I really wanted to talk about um, specifically in term in regards to the NCAA tournament. They should already be in. Forget about their seeding, whatever. Obviously, that that'll change upon their performance in the Pac-12 tourney. But looking at this team as a whole, I think this team really could do some damage in the NCAAs. And it all comes down to two players, Jonah Matthews and Daniel Utomi. They have a great combination. Sorry, getting a little, little ahead of myself there. They have two Daniel Utomi. And um, Jonah Matthews are guards, but they have a great uh, front court uh, post and center combination between Nick Rakisevich and Onyeke Onwayu. Onwayu, I think I got it by the end of the year. And combine that with the size of Isaiah Mobley, the USC is the size dang with pretty much any team in the country. And Jonah Matthews and Deanna Utomi, when they're on, they're tough to defend. So I think this team is actually capable of making the Elite Eight. I really do. Um, I'm not saying that's probable, but I do believe they have the size, the guard, the scoring. And if it all comes together, Andy Enfield's done it before, pulled off some upsets with Florida Gulf Coast, so it's definitely possible. Obviously, ending their season on a high note with the win against UCLA, a game-winning three-pointer by Jonah Matthews. But again, it's time to move ahead, and I think this team could do big things come NCAAs. The Trojans finished the year as one of the hottest teams in the conference other than Oregon, so they're on a a three-game winning streak. They just beat um, their rival, obviously, in the last second three by Jonah Matthews. Massive play, huge um, deal for that program and its development. And, of course, you have your senior uh, going out on senior day like that, a game he'll never forget, legendary performance, while at the same time becoming the three-point leader at his school. You know, that was a very historic game. It was the instant classic, and It'll be played on replay for for a long time moving forward for the next several years. I was saying it's one of the biggest games in the USC UCLA basketball rivalry, and the way that it ended with everything on the line. I'm gonna go ahead and say it was the biggest game in their rivalry, and so that's huge for the Trojans and Andy Enfield uh, specifically. I think even if they lose in the quarterfinals here, um, they're gonna make the NCAA tournament. So now, from here on out, they're fighting for the best seed that they can get in the NCAA tournament. And so, uh, it's big for their program. I said at the beginning of the year, I expected them to be dancing and, and make the you know the, the NCAA tournament. And it looks like they're going to um, do that this season. A lot of that is obviously on Yeka Okongwu. But, you know, they have great front court um, with Okongwu and Rokosevich. 
And then they also have um, some good guards and good freshmen, too. Uh, Ethan Anderson stepping up, and the grad transfer, Daniel Utomi, has also played a big role for them. All right, sorry, y'all. My segment's been running like two seconds over. The UCLA segment ran nine seconds over. So it's been like you're going to have three minutes and nine seconds of coverage. We're going to work to cut that back down. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we got a lot to talk about. It's turning time. It's turning time. So without further ado, we'll jump into number five, Arizona. They're playing the Washington Huskies, and that could arguably be a matchup between the two most talented teams in conference this year. That's an amazing first-round game. Truly amazing. Uh, Arizona does not have an easy path by any means necessary to advance to the um, – um, 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 I'm working to cut these down, peeps – to the quarterfinals. So if you're looking at Arizona as a whole, they are kind of like the USC except even more talented. I believe Arizona – along with the likes of Washington, regardless of their record, are the two most talented teams from top to bottom in conference. And Arizona could make a deep run in the tourney, but again, let's see how the, this um, these freshmen um, kind of play together. With Nico Mannion, Zeke Naji, and Josh Green, they are going to be liable to freshman mistakes, but at the same time, freshman-led teams have won NCAA tournament titles. I don't think Arizona's going to go that far. I see a sweet 16, around a 32 to Elite 8 max type of talent, type of team this year. But barring what happens in the Pac-12 tournament, all of my final project, project, pro, 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 projections and predictions next week. So amazing first-round matchup between Arizona and Washington. Arizona just has had one of those seasons where it's just inconsistent uh, performance from week to week. One week they look great. Even one game that, during that week they look great. And then another game in the same week, they look awful. Um, I said a few weeks ago, I think they're probably going to lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and I'm sticking by that. I don't think they really have what it takes. Um, and at this point in the season, there's a lot of you know rumors and, and media stories going around about whether the freshmen are going to declare for the NBA draft, and that's just a, a distraction that really is not um, good for a program when you have people really caring more about the next season than he knew about the current one. It seems like it's always like that here in Tucson. But um, anyways, uh, on senior night, Dylan Smith had one of the best games from three of his career. He made the most three-pointers um, that he had ever made in a single game. He hit six, and the Kale Center record was nine, so he was pretty close to that. And um, he had a broken nose. He suffered a, an elbow you know, uh, to, the, to the face uh, by Isaiah Stewart, which wasn't called. Went to the locker room for, you know, five minutes at least of game time. Came back and sparked a comeback in the second half. Um, I think he hit five of his six threes in the second half, but it wasn't enough to overcome the slow start from U of A. At the beginning, you know, in the first half, Arizona shot 20% from the field, and you can't win games when you're playing like that. So next team we're going to be talking about here is the sixth seed, the Colorado Buffs. You know, I love to get a little little rant about some college basketball here. So the first team, uh, the first team, I don't know where that came from. But at the beginning of the year, they were projected by many analyst pundits to win the conference. Them, along with the likes of Oregon, were the two common picks. So if you're looking at Colorado falling down the sixth seed, pretty bad. Especially the way they've floundered, sputtered, however you want to phrase it, to end out their season. But it is new season now. End of the year postseason, if you want to call it that. So the Buffs do have a chance to rebound. But for three main reasons, 
I vastly think this team's overrated. First and foremost, they're in the NCAA tournament. Nothing to worry about there. But in terms of the Pac-12 tourney, they better not overlook number 11, WSU. WSU, the Cougs are a scrappy bunch now. And if Colorado keeps playing lackadaisical, they could really enter the NCAAs with a bad, bad string of results. So again, three reasons why they're not, or in my opinion, they're overrated. I'm not going to say they're not that good, but definitely overrated. First and foremost, people in Boulder aren't going to like this. I don't think they're that talented. I don't think the combination of McKinley Wright and Tyler Bay is that good. Personally, I think McKinley Wright's just an average point guard. Tyler Bay is a pretty good all-around player. Second off, Tad Boyle's really not getting it done as a coaching job. They should have enough senior leadership to win more games. And third, they don't really have that much outside of McKinley Wright and Tyler Bay. They have Deshaun Schwartz and Evan Batty. But besides for that, not too much else. Of all the teams projected to make the NCAA tournament from the Pac-12, the Colorado Buffaloes are clearly on the worst um, streak. They're on the worst footing. Uh, they're, you know, they're on a four-game losing streak, and that's at the worst possible time uh, for this to be happening. And so they couldn't even win um, at Utah. Granted, the Huntsman Center is a tough place to play, but it's crunch time now. It's March. you got to find ways to win, and losing in overtime is not a good look to a team like that. So um, their seed is now, you know, I've seen projections that they're an eight. And just a, a few weeks ago, or maybe even, you know, a week and a half ago, they were as high as a, a six or a five. I even some saw some, you know, two weeks ago, they were, uh, they might have been a four. And so the collapse really in the last two weeks has been terrible. It's been um, really concerning if you're a Buffalo fan, and it's just interesting to see how, you know, they are predicted to, to win the conference in the preseason or finish second, and they're all the way down there. They finished sixth, so that's uh, not a good look for, for really for them, but, you know, they have the players to make a, a run in the, the conference tournament, also in March Madness. They just need to put it together, and they haven't been, so really it's um, incumbent on them to pull together right here in Las Vegas. And then, you know, at least win one game in the NCAA tournament. So we're hopping into the seven seed, the Stanford Cardinal here. They enter their Pac-12 tournament slate against rival Cal, which will not be easy. Yes, they are more talented than Cal, but playing a rival and a rival knows they may have a chance to knock you out at NCAA tournament. <laughs> Cal is going to be ready for that one. They're going to enjoy this opportunity. But looking at Stanford as a whole, I really do like this team. Yeah, yeah, I know if you listen to their podcast at the beginning of the year, I didn't say that, but they've grown on me. Um, first and foremost, they're, some people have them projected in, some people don't have them in the NCAs. I would say they're still a bubble team, if you want to be honest. If they lose to Cal, I personally don't feel they deserve to be in the NCAs, but I, I think they'll handle Cal for two reasons, Tyrell, Tyrell Terry and Oscar Da Silva. So Tyrell Terry, their point guard, freshman out of Seattle, he's a great scoring point guard which I think will be enough against Cal, against UCLA. I don't think he'll get it done, or if they make the NCAAs. I really think his assist-turnover ratio does need to improve. He doesn't really seem to grasp the point guard position yet. But just against Cal and getting that first win in the Pac-12 tourney, he's a lights-out shooter. He can put up some points and should be able to find some mismatches. Oscar Da Silva is a great forward. He can do a little bit of all, finish down low, hit the 15-footer, hustle, play a little defense. So... They should have enough to beat Cal. They should have enough to make the NCAA tournament. But a deep run, I would expect them to lose in the first round if they do make it. 
So the next team we're going to be talking about here is the Oregon State, the Beavers. I just want to throw in something random. It's been a little too solemn, a little too stern this week. So looking at the Beavs, they are probably the second most disappointing team in conference this year, aside from the Huskies. Them to have fallen to the eight seed is pretty, it's unacceptable. But as the conference is more deep this year from top to bottom, I do think the Beavers have an outside shot to win the NCAA, or not the NCAA tournament, scratch that, all that noise. They do have an outside shot to win the Pac-12 tournament. Just looking at the trio of players um, between Kyler Kelly, Ethan Thompson, and Trace Tinkle, and with the addition of uh, sharpshooter Zach Reichel, they do have enough to really get this done, but their first-round matchup is going to be against Utah. I believe a very winnable game, to be quite frank. They have more talent, so they should be able to get that done which would set up a big second-round matchup against Oregon. Granted, Oregon is the more talented team top to bottom, no question about it. But the Beavers, it's a rivalry game. They're playing for more. And Coach Wayne Tinkle may be coaching to save his job. So those three factors could propel Oregon State past Oregon. And if the Beavers make the semifinals, anything can really happen from there. Um, You get that close, players may switch it up another gear, especially the likes of Trace Tinkle. So... My big thing for Oregon State to make a run is Zach Reichel needs to be a sharpshooter. The other three players I mentioned are pretty consistent, but Zach Reichel needs to step up his game. The Beavers closed out the regular season pretty well. I mean, on two-game win streak right now, beating both of the Bay Area programs, uh, set them on you know the right foot for the Pac-12 tournament, which is all you can ask for considering uh, the season that they've had. So they're in the Wednesday matchup, um, the 8-9 game uh, against Utah who is also um, coming off a win. So that'll be a great game. It's the noon game. It's the first one of the Pac-12 tournament. And um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. I think it's going to be a a close, hard-fought game. Um, I'd probably give the edge to Oregon State right now because of the way that they're playing. But uh, I think it'll be probably, you know, pretty close, five points maybe. Could even see an overtime in the first game there. So, yeah. for their season overall, uh, it's been a bit of a disappointment, but uh, I'm not going to you know, say anything about that yet because um, the Pac-12 tournament is where everyone could turn the whole season around. You could have an awful regular season and go ahead and win that tournament and make you know the big dance. So everything's in front of them, and you know Trey Tinkle's in on his last, you know, potentially his last game. If they lose and they don't get a postseason um, invite, so he's really playing for a lot more than just um, you know maybe some of the other freshmen or sophomores around him are playing for, especially on that Utah side. So I think Oregon State probably wins on Wednesday at noon. So next team we're going to be talking about here is the Utah Utes coming in at the nine seed, and as mentioned in the previous segment, they're going to be playing the Beavers in the first round of the Pac-12 tourney. So this is one team I will look at their season as a whole. I believe the Utes have actually had a really impressive year. They lost pretty much everyone in the offseason. They were essentially starting from scratch with the exception of Timmy Allen. And so for them to get seven Pac-12 wins is actually thoroughly impressive. In all seriousness, I'm actually really impressed with their year. Coach Head coach Larry Kostowiak has done a great job to push them to 7-11 in conference and 16-14 overall. With that being said, do I think they have a chance in the Pac-12 tourney? I really don't. They may be able to beat Oregon State in the first round, but I don't believe they have enough to take down Oregon. 
So if you're looking at their postseason opportunities, most likely the CBI or something less, uh, maybe no postseason to be quite frank, but if they want to shell out the money and go play in the CBI or lesser postseason tournament, that is an option. But let's end on a positive note here. As mentioned less than a minute ago, they lost pretty much everyone. And looking ahead to next season, Timmy Allen's a sophomore, Booth Gotch is a sophomore, Ryland Jones is a freshman, Riley Batten's a sophomore, and center Brandon Carlson is a freshman. So they really have a lot to build on, and a lot of key pieces emerge for them this year. Great job. They have a great group for going forward. And even junior Alfonso Plummer really stepped up at the end of the year. So they should have a lot to be excited about next year in Salt Lake City. Finishing as the nine seed was um, a decent outcome, I, I suppose, for the Utah Utes. Uh, they finished above Cal, uh, Wazoo, and Washington. So, you know, considering the youth on their team, that's a decent finish, I guess. Um, seven wins in conference, 11 losses. You know, they never figured out how to win away from the Huntsman Center, but they held stout at home and obviously finished the year out on a great note, beating Colorado in overtime. So that's, um, I, I don't want to say it's all you could ask for, but it's it's somewhat acceptable considering uh, the youth on that pro, in that program. Um, so they're 16 and 14 right now. I still think they could probably land an NIT bid, but they need to win at least one and probably two games uh, to get one of those. So their postseason is still, you know, up in the air. But overall, I mean, you know, they finished the year 12 and two at home and one and ten on the road. So and their one road win came in the very first game of the year against Nevada. They lost ten road games in a row since then. So they need to figure that out because that's just um, not going to cut it. It's not going to get it done. And um, But on a neutral court in Las Vegas, they're the wild card. And they've been the wild card, I think, for um, the last few weeks because they're so inconsistent away from home that um, on a neutral court is going to be an interesting matchup. The next team we're going to be talking about here is the 10th-ranked Cal Golden Bears. I have no idea if anyone's ever announced them like that, but it felt right. So... We rolling with it. We are rolling with it. So, if you look at Cal, their season's essentially over. They've uh, they're seven eleven in conference this year, which is quite impressive. Thirteen and eighteen overall, which will not get it done in terms of the postseason. But seven eleven along those same lines with the Utah Utes. They had a new head coach this year, and Mark Fox took over. And to get seven Pac twelve wins is really impressive, especially considering the struggles they had under former coach and Viking Jones. So the Golden Bears. Have come a long way in terms of the postseason. Forget about it. Looking ahead to next year, it's going to be the Matt Bradley show. They're going to need some other players to step up. But Matt Bradley, I believe he's a sophomore right now. Let's double check that as I'm talking to y'all. Okay, my, Yeah, he's a sophomore. So he's really emerged as a star. Great all-around player. Big body. Very strong for a college kid. So they should be all right under him. But looking at their year this year, oh, this is where it gets fun. This is where it gets a lot of fun. So... They're playing rival Stanford in the Pac-12 tourney. And will Cal win the Pac-12 tourney? Probably not. But they do have a chance to potentially knock their rival out of the NCAA tournament. If they can defeat the Cardinal in the first round, Stanford might not make it. And something tells me, with seven Pac-12 wins and knocking the Cardinal out of the NCAAs, the Cal fan base would be very happy. And they have good things to look forward to next year in new, or in a second-year coach, Mark Fox, and the returning junior in Matt Bradley. The Bears are an interesting team to me. I can't really put a finger on them, you know, because they've performed well at times that my expectations for them have risen, and every time they've risen, they've fallen short of it. 
Uh, you know, they weren't even able to get a win out there at OSU. And, um, you know, they, obviously they were going to lose to Oregon earlier in the week. But I really thought that um, if they were going to take that proverbial, you know, next step, that they would have been able to come away with, with the W out there at Gill Coliseum. And they weren't able to do that, so they finished the year with just one road win and 10 road losses, 12-5 uh, and five at home. So, you know, it's it's like a lot of teams in the conference are able to win at home but not on the road, and the best ones are at least able to split on the road. So, um, you know, for the Pac-12 tournament moving forward, they are the 10 seed, and they have the matchup with the Cardinal, which um, is pretty much... Um, I don't want to say it's it's not winnable, but uh, it's going to be a tough game for them on a neutral court, especially if that game you know was in Berkeley. I, I'd feel better about their chances, but with what Stanford has on the line, uh, and compared to you know Cal, what they have on the line, it's barely nothing. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one for them. Though it could be competitive, I, I think Stanford probably wins that one. As we get to the last two teams here in conference, we're going to be talking about WCU Cougars. And you seem to be catching a theme with the last two, actually the last three teams here in Utah, California, and now WSU. So 11th place in the conference obviously is not astronomically good by any measures. But looking at their previous three or four years, actually, under former head coach Ernie Kent, the new coach and Kyle Smith has done a great job this year leading them to six conference wins and 15 and 16 overall. Vast improvement for the program as a whole. Just like Cal, um, postseason plays very, very, very unlikely, barring a run in the Pac-12 tourney. But CBI is not even really a probability here. So the Cougar season is essentially done, barring the Pac-12 tournament. With that being said, do I think this team could make a run? I do, but I don't think that they can win the tournament, if that makes sense. I'm thinking the semifinals is a max. The reason why is because they faced Colorado in the first round, and the Buffs have been absolutely atrocious as of late. The Cougars are a scrappy munch, scrappy munch, scrappy bunch, as I mentioned in the Buffs segment. So anything's possible. Maybe they played ASU tough last week, so maybe they can pull that out. But if you're looking at the Cougs as a whole, um, their next season kind of depends on. We'll see Jay Ellaby return. He's emerged as a star. He's a sophomore. And they should have a senior returning in Isaac Bonton and a sophomore next year returning in Noah Williams. CJLV really did not play well at all, uh, not in Tucson and not in Tempe. So this week, you know, they, they lost both of their games in the desert and you know, have pretty much stumbled into the Pac-12 tournament, finished the year with six wins in conference. Uh, they were 2-9 and nine away uh, from home, so... They at least got two road wins, but, I mean, overall it was just a fairly typical season, I guess, for Wazoo. I know um, this is the most wins they've had in like eight years, maybe even a a little bit longer than that. Um, But when they were, you know, when they beat Oregon earlier in the year in Pullman, the expectations kind of rose, and I think it got a little bit ahead of themselves. Um, You know, we were saying a lot of things about how Kyle Smith probably win coach of the year and then they've kind of I don't want to say fallen apart but they haven't done as well 
as I expected. Um, they had the great victory in Seattle over UW, um, which, you know, was a fantastic victory for them. But then they had the losses here to end the season. Um, so in the moving into the conference tournament here, they have the matchup with CU. And the way that CU's playing, um, that's a winnable game. That is not by any means a shoe-in for Colorado. And if Washington State comes to play, especially Ellaby and Bonton, um, they could upset them. So last but not least, we're talking about the you, 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 you suck. <laughs> I had to, sorry. Uh, I don't know why you dub sitting at 12 plays. My battery's running low. Well, that's good. We're getting to the end of the podcast. Thanks, Computa. So talking about the Huskies here. Again, them finishing in 12th place with only... Actually, did they end up with five conference wins after their last week? So they did end up with five conference wins, but for them to be in last place is absolutely unacceptable. But we're going to put all of that behind us now because talent-wise, this team could still be considered the most talented team in the tournament. And as I mentioned in the Arizona segment, that Wednesday matchup between UW and Arizona is a heavyweight fight and should be a lot of fun. UW is a team that absolutely no one, and I mean no one, wants to see come Pac-12 tourney time. They still have Isaiah Stewart, they still have Jaden McDaniels, and they have nothing to lose. Both these players are likely headed to the NBA. They lose. I mean, their season's done. There is no postseason with their abysmal performance thus far, but this team could still win the Pac-12 tournament. I'm being 100% serious. This team could still win the Pac-12 tournament. All it takes is one or two of those other players, uh, Marcus Tejonens, whoever, um, Nas Carter, to really hit a couple shots. And, these dub t- and this UW team could be very dangerous, as they showed. I mean, they won, they swept the desert schools. That's not easy uh, past week, so that's a testament to their talent alone. UW is a team that no one wants to face, and they could see, save their season by, and still make the NCAAs by just pulling off four straight wins. It seems like Washington has finally figured out how to win without Quad A Green, um, and the fact that they've finally figured that out makes them a very dangerous team heading into the conference tournament. So they're coming off the wins at ASU and at Arizona. That's a road sweep. Not many teams in the entire conference got a road sweep this season. And Washington did it right, you know, at the very end of the year. They only finished the season with five wins in conference, 13 losses. And they're the 12 seed, but they're playing Arizona on Wednesday, who they just beat. And Huskies are a dangerous team. Um, If they're able to beat Arizona, then they'll face USC. Um, and they've already beaten USC uh, once this year in Seattle by like 40. So that's, um, and then if they win that game, they'll likely, in all likelihood, probably play the Ducks. And, you know, remember that game in Seattle was the last second shot by Peyton Pritchard, uh, or, you know, last minute shot by Pritchard, forced overtime, and then they won, the Ducks won in there in Seattle. So, um it's all ahead of them. The Huskies could still make the NCAA tournament. You know, anybody in the conference can, but um, Washington is one of the more dangerous teams. So in closing, I will talk a little basketball, but I would again like to say rest in peace to my cousin. He was a great ASU fan, a great man. And I don't want to beat on the sadness because I don't, I know, first off, I sure as heck know he wouldn't want me to do that. And second off, I always try to find kind of, you know, the positive and the light. So, you know, if you have that extra time to spend with your family, your loved one, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever, whatever it may be, whatever makes you happy, let them know you love them because life truly is unpredictable. So just be 
yeah, just, you know, show extra love to whoever, maybe a little acts of kindness to whoever you come across. Just, you know, be the best person you can be to help the universe. And on that note, little Seattle hippie talk, the universe has a plan for everyone. So I guess it was his time to go, but doesn't make it any easier. But just again, grateful for all he's taught me. Grateful to have another Pac-12 fan in the family and uh, love you cuz. And with that, I'll move into now my Pac-12 tournament predictions. And for the heck of it, I'm going to throw out a wild card. If you didn't catch it kind of in my segment where I covered them, I actually think the Washington Huskies are going to win this tournament. I've been ragging on them all year. But something tells me Mike Hopkins' is, teams is not going to fold. Yes, the season was absolutely terrible. But if they get past Arizona in the first round, there really is saying, no saying how far this team can go. That sounds so scripted. I don't know. I'm not even reading anything, peeps. I don't even know why that sounds so scripted. So my conclusion is going to go a little bit longer. So again, the reason I think UW could pull this off, no one pound for pound, size for size, muscle for muscle, can reasonably match up to Isaiah Stewart in the low post. Not Zeke Naji for Arizona. Maybe Onyeki Onweyu for USC. But still, I think Isaiah Stewart has the advantage down low. Jaden McDaniels is a bona fide scorer. And if he can keep his head of the game and make the right reads and consistently um, be in the right position on defense, UW could truly, truly be tough to beat. So I'm picking the Huskies. You know what? Crazier things have happened. This team's still very talented. But... Before we round out our Pac-12 year and um, hop into the NCAAs where Dan and I will be next week, let us I just wanted to say as a whole, the conference really has come a long way. This team, this conference has seven teams that, could, that are currently projected for the NCAA tournament. And the fact that UW sitting in last place tells you how far this conference has gone. Just really quickly, I'm going to actually cover the bottom teams because their seasons are most likely done. If you look at, again, as I said, UW, I mean, we'll see. They they still could have some light this year. But WSU has come a long way under head coach Kyle Smith. C.J. Ellaby has kind of emerged as a bona fide star out in the Palouse. In Berkeley, calendar Mark Fox has come a long way. Matt Bradley's emerging as a star. We're going to hop over to the other side of the bracket here. Um, who is our nine seed? Oh, there we're sliding over. So Utah, tough year. But again, a lot of nice pieces. Matt, uh, not Matt Bradley, excuse me. Timmy Allen will be back. Braden Carlson, Riley Batten, whole, whole, a whole slew of Utes will be back next year. So they could be very, very difficult to beat. And we're going to leave it there. That's our bottom four teams. But just to show that this type of talent is in your bottom four teams, bodes well for the conference as a whole. And it should be a lot of fun in the Pac-12 tournament. We'll see who's going to, we'll see who will pull. <laughs> Come on, Nick, you got like 30 seconds left here. Let's finish this out. We'll see who who will pull out the trophy and get the automatic bids to the NCAAs, which should be a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun covering the Pac-12, and we'll be back with the NCAAs next week. So from Seattle to Arizona, doses, keep it real, adios, sayonara, reach these pieces. Bubble teams is the big story heading into the Pac-12 tournament. Your main one is Stanford, followed by Arizona State and UCLA. So those um, of those three, I think Arizona State is probably the safest. Um, they have the bye in the first round, so uh, that counts for something, I, I guess, I suppose. Um, but if they lose their first game, they're going to be sweating it on Selection Sunday. If UCLA um, doesn't make it to uh, the championship game, I think they're probably out. 
if they are to lose their first game there in the quarterfinal, uh, yeah, that's going to be really tough for them. A semifinal loss would probably get them in, but that would be um, pushing it. So if you're UCLA, you're expecting to make the championship game. If you do that, then you're definitely in the, the field. Uh, Stanford, yeah, uh, you can't lose in the first round. Um, bottom line, you can't lose your opening game on Wednesday. If you lose your game on Thursday, uh, you're still going to be really worried about your chances. A lot of it would depend on how other teams do in different conferences around the country. If there's upsets, um, Stanford could very well find themselves out of the tournament. If the Cardinal makes the semifinals, you know, they're definitely in. They're for sure going to be in the tournament. So um, of those three, uh, that's the main story, I think. And the other teams like Arizona and Colorado, Oregon are just fighting for, for their seed. Uh, even USC is fighting for the best seed that it can get for the big dance.